Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There was major sort of, um, I wouldn't say trauma, but trauma to some extent, whereby as my mum and dad would argue quite a lot. And uh, being young, um, I would always try and break up the fights. I've never understood why people need to, or feel the need to, you know, um, dehumanise somebody else just for their own pleasure. Um, so, you know, I stuck up for this kid and basically, yeah, that was kind of what led to, like, the bullying. Back in the 80s, the, the bullying in schools was so prevalent. And I'll be honest with you, the teachers really didn't take it on board like the way they do now. And I was going down to the shop one day and this guy was, um, he was at the bus stop. And I, I remember either him asking me the time or I might have asked him the time. You know, he would take me and my sister out, you know, to swimming. Uh, he, you know, he'd take me out up to London. Because, I mean, I didn't really realise that I was um, by him until a lot later. I had to say, like, nothing had happened because I felt... That's the only choice I had. And they are made to feel like myself. We was all made to feel like it was it was our fault, you know. Um, he used to say to me, I'm doing this because I love you. And I remember him pushing me onto the bed and literally he tried me. As I would like him, for example, to be sat in his chair and I would like to ask him why he'd done what he done I would really like to know honestly why you done what you done so recently had dinner with Jamie and he's got a really positive vibe about him he has been through a hell of a lot in his life and this is going to be an extremely harrowing story due to the nature of what Jamie has been through and now I'm required by the UK police to ask Jamie, does he waive his anonymity? Do you waive your anonymity, Jamie? Yeah. 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 All right. So huge thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you, Jamie. Yeah. We really appreciate you. you spending time with us today. Before we get to the traumatic stuff that you've been through then, let's just go over your background a little bit and what part of the country you used to, you know grew up in? Well, I was, I was brought up in West London, um, and um, my mum and dad were um, really good parents, although they kind of really wasn't suited to, you know, like, there were two kind of different people. What did um, they do? My dad was, uh, my dad actually was a roadie years ago for, um, for like, big bands and stuff. <laughs> um, and, yeah, they were just two different people. So, unfortunately, like... Um, Although they loved us, me, my sister and my brother, you know, very much, um, there was major sort of, um, I wouldn't say trauma, but trauma to some extent, whereby as my mum and dad would argue quite a lot. And uh, being young, um, I would always try and break up the fights or, or, or so on and so forth. And also because my 
my younger brother and my younger sister, you know, would have been upstairs and, and they would hear it. And it was, you know, like being a kid, it would be really horrible. You know, and I'd, I'd always be kind of concerned for those two as well as my mum and dad, you know. So that's kind of where it all sort of began um, with with my with my story to some extent. Sorry, how did you break up the fights? Um, I used to just come down and them two would be fighting in the kitchen and stuff and I'd be like trying to stop them arguing, oh. you know. And, you know, being like that innocent kid, you know what I mean? Not understanding why mum and dad's sort of fighting and arguing. And what age were you at this point? Um, This would have been, when I was really more aware of it, it would have been sort of like 10, 11. So it was quite early, yeah. How many siblings did you have, Jamie? I've got one brother and one sister. And what was your relationship with like them growing up? Um, Pretty good, to be quite honest with you, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, they've, they've all had their... their their challenges and stuff, you know, and they've come out really, really well. I mean, my, my parents brought us up to be very respectful and um, I can't fault them on that. You know, they've brought up three decent um, adults, you know, now. So I'm ever so grateful to them for that. Do you know what I mean? So you are a wonderful soul, I've got to say. Thank you. Yeah. And what about your school years? Did you enjoy school? No, I was bullied as a kid um, and I was bullied like, how that sort of came about, actually, it was all sticking up for some other kid that got bullied. And uh, so it turned out, you know, like, you know, you stick up for the underdog or whatever, and eventually, like, all the kids kind of hate you because you're sticking up for this person. And I always hated bullies, you know. I've never understood why people need to, or feel the need to, you know, um, dehumanise somebody else just for their own pleasure. Um, so, you know, I stuck up for this kid and basically, yeah, that was kind of what led to, like, the bullying. Um, and it was very, very, uh, it was, like, every day, to be quite honest with you, because on the estate that we lived in, um, all the kids went to the same sort of school. So on the estate, it was so, not only did you get it at school, but you got it when you was at home as well, you know, like, on the estate. And what sort of things would they do? Oh, they'd call shout names. There'd, there'd be groups of people. Um, they pretend to be your friends and they get you into a position where then they all turn on you, if you get what I mean. So they kind of lure you into a full sense of security, um, which is so damaging to, like, the person that, that's having that done to, you know what I mean? Especially at that young age. And, I mean, obviously, kids are cruel anyway, you know, and, um, yeah, kids can be really sort of, like, nasty without necessarily understanding why. That they're being nasty. What was the nastiest things they did to you? Um, I think like the name calling. Oh, I mean, I was I was beaten up, you know, quite a few times. I was put in positions where other people could beat you up. What sort of names were they calling you? Oh, oh, I got everything from um, ugly to big nose to tramp to oh goodness, you know, just general um, general derogatory terms that. It wasn't, now you look back at it, it wasn't necessarily, it was like really genuinely meaning it. It was just how kids are yeah, and bullies and stuff, you know. I mean, a lot of these kids weren't necessarily bullies, but they were just joining in with the other kids, with the other kids you, mm. do you know what I mean, sort of thing. How long did that go on for? Oh, that was all, that was all through my school years, um, all up to high school and even towards, I think more towards the end of high school, um, it kind of eased off a bit. So did you have many friends at this point at all? Then, no, not really. I was very much a loner, very much. Yeah, very much a loner. Um, what do you think made it stop? 
I think probably, you know, as you get older and people, like, you know, the older you get, you realise that, you you know, there's one, there's no reason to act like that. Two, you change as a person, you grow up, so, you you know, you realise that you don't treat people this way, sort of thing. And I think as you get older and you're, instead of being around children or kids now, you're, you're around sort of semi-teenagers, adults that are grown up to be, you know, like, you know, grown up, um, you know, their own people and like grown up personalities, if you like. Um, that is what kind of made it a lot easier because you was dealing with a different kind of person. And that different kind of person wasn't trying to belittle you or, make fun of you or put you down or make you feel bad about yourself. They were sort of almost on your level. It was kind of like an equal sort of playing ground to some extent, if that makes any sense. Did anyone, yeah. did anyone try and help you, like teachers, or did your parents get involved? Um, or? We did. Have, you know, I had my parents go down about the bullying, but back back in the 80s, the, the bullying in schools was so prevalent. And I'll be honest with you, the teachers really didn't take it on board like the way they do now. Mm. I mean, and even now that there's so much bullying in schools that goes unnoticed, and I think that really does need to be highlighted as well at some point, you know, it's definitely um, damaging yeah. because it's so damaging to um, the yeah, what's the word? Um, the fundamental as you're growing up, you know, and your learning process, you know, that it damages all that, and your 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 outlook on life and your outlook towards people as well can be, you know, you it can be really damaging. I mean, I was quite lucky in the sense of I could distinguish the difference between the two types of people, if that makes any sense. Mm. So, what did you do for fun around this time? I was going to ask, yeah. have you got any happy memories? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I immerse myself in music and stuff, you know, so I, I, I like, you know, to, to get away from it, or, and art as well, I used to draw quite a lot and stuff, so that was kind of my escape, was 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 drawing and that, and then sort of, you know, sort of as an early teen, uh, you know, playing guitars and, and stuff like that, and, and music, because I used to play violin when I was a kid, so I think that was the most therapeutic thing that I had that was not self-destructive, like, you know, sort of... Um, you know, I could have chose alcohol or something along that lines, you know. Um, and this was kind of like the safest thing that you could kind of like, you know, not get high on as such, but, you know, you could you could just lose yourself in it. But it was safe because you, you wasn't doing yourself any damage of any kind and you wasn't hurting anybody else as well. Definitely. So um, I think I'm quite lucky to um, have an ear for music and be able to use that sort of negative energy to some extent in into a positive positive way because yeah i heard you play this morning you're really talented so <laughs> so um and i also like it's the same people i always try to um use my negativity not my negativity but my negative experiences and try and use them to somehow um be positive or help someone else be positive in their situations so i think to some extent it has been um what would be the word? It has been very um, educational, uh, you know, as as a person to to grow and to learn, which is a huge credit to your spirit. Mm. And something far worse than the bullying happened in your life. How did this person enter your life, and how old were you? I would have been. It would have been about twelve, and. The, the person that we're actually talking about um, used to live across the road 
And being a young lad, I was always, and being very innocent as well, so I was always like, you know, I'd quite happily talk to anybody. And I was going down to the shop one day, and this guy was, um, he was at the bus stop, and I, I remember either him asking me the time, or I might have asked him the time. And, you know, conversation, oh, you know, it's so-and-so, oh, it's a nice day, because it was a nice su- sunny day. And it turned out he lived across the road from us, and he eventually, like, we kind of, like, ended up, like, chatting and, and talking to each other, and he met my mum and dad, and he was also talking to a couple of the other mums So as we met well. your mum and dad through you? Yeah. Did you say, yeah? Yeah. Okay. But I didn't realise he was talking to another young lad, and he was talking to his mum as well, you see. So um, I didn't realise that. I knew the lad because I'd played with the lad, you know, because he was one of the lads that lived across the road. But I didn't realise how sort of involved it was until slightly later. And there was a couple of incidences that was not right with this lad. What, um, were, what were those incidences? Well, he'd ended up in his bed, which was very, very strange. Because we used to go around and watch TV and stuff around, around, around his place and that, you know. Including my sister and my brother as well. Not so much my brother because he was very young, so it's me and my sister, really. But it was mainly me that, that would go over there. And he acted like... um like an uncle, if you like. So it was my escape from everything that was going on. There was somewhere that I could go where I could just sit there and just, you know... Um, Should we call him a name of some sort? No, let's just not call him a name. Let's just... But you could tell the viewers what he looks like. Yeah, I mean, what was his age? Um, he was about 30... I think he was about 37. And he came from Scotland. Um wasn't very tall, probably about... That's sort of my size, I suppose. Uh, glasses, uh, a bit of a moustache and a bit of a beard. Um, he had a motorbike. He was into bikes. So I remember that was a sort of topic of, of conversation being a kid. And I remember him taking us out on the bike and that. Probably how well. he lured, lured young boys in. Yeah, mm. quite possibly. But, I mean, um, you know, as it progressed, you know, he would take me and my sister out, you know, to swimming uh, he, you know, he'd take me out up to London. Did uh, your parents not find this a bit odd? A 30-odd-year-old man hanging around with 12-year-old kids? Um, at the time, I, I probably, I think I think they did. But I suppose at the time it was like it really didn't seem anything sort of untoward. Again, because I guess that he kind of like introduced himself and got them on side sort of thing. Groomed them. Yeah, mm. if you like, because I mean, I didn't really realise that I was groomed um, by him until a lot later, you know, so I was always questioning why did this happen, you know, because I couldn't see the actual, um, the lead up to it, if you like, or, or the grooming process, you know, of where, where it'd take us out, it'd buy us stuff, you know, and things like that. And it was all part of getting, getting, um, you to feel comfortable with that person and then once you do I guess to some extent then they just start taking advantage so it started with trips out gifts yeah then how how did it develop um well I remember like, the first time I remember um us going to London and stuff and we was walking past the shops and stuff and there was you know, all these clothes shops and I, I liked clothes at the time you know I was quite you know into suits not so much suits but shirts and you know, very much like this young man's dress. And, what, um, a three-piece like Sean? Yeah. <laughs> Wall Street meets Peaky Blinders. Indeed. <laughs> but um, 
And I remember him going on about, oh, I'm going to buy you a suit. And it's going to be like specially like tailor made, if you like. But we've got to get your measurements. Okay. And, um, but you have to be undressed for this. Right. Okay. Obviously being a child and, and the way it was done, it wasn't, it was done in a sort of way that, um, it wasn't like, I don't know how to explain it. Was this it, in it his house? Like, pardon? So, this was, yeah, across the road from me. This was, so this is in his house? He goes, you've got to get the yeah, kid. Yeah, in his, okay. in, in his room. Did uh, he have a tape out and everything? Yeah, right, he had the tape, tape and he was yeah. try, trying to measure me inside the leg and things. But it was all, like, that was when, like, you know, all the sort of hands started wandering and, and things like that. And um, it sort of got, like, a bit sort of, like, sort of pushed me on the bed and sort of started touching me and then putting uh putting his mouth over me and stuff and i'm like and what was going through your mind at this time i'm scared really scared don't know what to do um want to get out but don't want to get uh, you know what it's really like almost like frozen to some extent you know and um yeah just really didn't understand what was going on because you know to me he was like almost like you know like a family like like an uncle so how come this is happening? And also, because of it being a male as well, you know, being a man, um, which was obviously very confusing for a boy who um, always was attracted to, uh, to to girls, for, you know, from an early age. So that was very confusing as well. Can we talk about some of the acts that went on then on that one occasion with the uh, measuring tape? So he started off touching you. Yeah, and then I remember him pushing me on the bed, and I was just like really unsure of what really was going on at the time. If you if that makes sense, because like it was just like so surreal, and um, and afterwards, like it was just horrible. I felt I don't know. I can't even. I felt dirty. There was no penetration or anything. Not at that. A, not at that. Point. Not at that okay. point, no. Um, Sensitive. Oh, God. To be honest with you, no, not at that point. And it was like, after, it was like, I'm sorry, it will never happen again. Um, You know, sort of don't say anything, like, and, uh, and along that sort of lines, you know. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Yeah. Did he ejaculate? What was his gratification out of this? I'll be honest with you, the first time, I can't remember, but all the other times, yes. And there was, before that sort of happened, like, just a little bit before, I remember him, because he worked nights um, up in London. He was a porter. And uh, I remember him, like, sort of, like, going, because we was going to be going somewhere or something, and, like, he wanted some sleep beforehand. And he's like, I'm going to get half an hour's sleep or whatever it was. And I'm sat there watching the, the telly and that. And he was, you know, playing with himself like under the bed. Which obviously was like a bit bit weird, you know. Mm. Um, and that was like way, well, not way before. That was only like a few days, I think, before that incident happened. Right. Um, and that was the first time. First time? Now, anything like... Um, sexual or untoward or, or whatever happened and um yeah, I was in total shock to be honest with you for the, you know 
And so you, so you left. You left. How did you get out of that on that occasion? You just went back home. Yeah, it was just almost like nothing that had happened. If that can make any sense to you guys, you know, just got dressed and, and just yeah, and it was just like yeah. Were you really confused? I bet. Oh God, yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Did your parents notice any change in your behaviour or anything? Probably not, because of everything that was going on, being bullied and stuff. I was very. Um, I was very obviously stressed out as a kid and, and very sort of like um, say, angry, maybe angry, but you know. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's a quick word from our sponsor. <laughs> know what that sound means? It's more sales being racked up on Shopify. What do you think of Shopify, Jen? I absolutely love Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to sell, grow and make money for your business. Have you used it to boost your business? 100%, yeah. <laughs> So Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell from anywhere in the world. From creating your online shop in your own look. To finding new customers to scaling your burning idea. With no need for skills in design or coding. It's how every minute of every day a new seller makes their first sale with Shopify and you can join them. So what is your favourite UK-based business that's found success with Shopify? It's got to be Gymshark. They have grown massively thanks to Shopify. Now it's your turn to start selling today with Shopify for free. And thanks to 24-7 support, Shopify is there to help you every step of the way. Sign up for a free 14-day trial at shopify.co.uk slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Go to shopify.co.uk slash Sean right now to grow your business today. So that's shopify.co.uk forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. Yeah, very uptight, if you like, you know, that probably be the word. And um, so I think if that hadn't have happened, maybe they might have noticed something uh, like a change in my behaviour then. You know, because I think everything else compounded that, I think it kind of covered up what I was or how I was feeling or even acting maybe to do with this like the situation that we're discussing. So did that make you then not go back to his house? Well, no, because, like, as crazy as it seems, that was my only... Refuge, kind of. Refuge, and... And buddy. Yeah, and when, like, they said, like, you know, I'm sorry, it would never happen again, and it's a mistake, and that, I believed him. Because you're just a kid. I actually believed it, you know, um... Being manipulated, and I thought, yes. okay, you know, maybe you know, people make mistakes. Maybe it was just I don't know. Some again, not really understanding it all. So, you know, or what it all like sort of really meant and what it all entailed. So I was just like, okay, you know, maybe let's just like sort of forget about it and try and sort of like move on, sort of thing. And did he not try anything like that for a while to get your confidence? Yeah, when was back the next up? event? The next event would have been when he moved. Yeah. So was the period of time you were hanging out with him and nothing was happening, so you felt yeah. the, com- the confidence yeah, was coming back? Yeah, there was, oh yeah, it wasn't like um, a, it wasn't like every time I was around him, he would try anything for the first, you know, for the first initial time as as we're talking. And then as it sort of progressed, then it would sort of like get a little bit more, trying to be a bit more frequent with 
trying to do stuff or, you know, like getting me in compromising positions where I'm undressed and things like that. So, so to just describe then the interlude, you're just going over the hanging and, out and hanging out and things mm. are, I mean, are you, are you worried like when you're hanging out that something like that might happen again at this point? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's always that in the back of your mind. And, and, and your siblings, are they hanging out there and you're thinking possibly something could happen to them maybe? Yeah, but not really because they didn't really hang out with him as much as I did. And, um, Yeah, I think I think what it was with him, it was like a case of he was an opportunist to some extent. So he'd wait until he had the right opportunity and the right perfect time to be able to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, and because my mum and dad were splitting up at the time and stuff, it was the perfect opportunity to, you know, for, for a young, uh, vulnerable child to... Um, you know, to to be in a position where you could, you know, you could take advantage of them. Why were your parents splitting up at this point? Um, it was just a case of they just didn't get on at all. And it came to the point of, I think they were both had enough of the arguing and everything else. So, yeah, they was like, you know, splitting up and stuff. And my dad moved out. Um, and my mum had another, um, uh, another boyfriend, you know, um, a little bit after that, very recently after that. And um, I told my mum, I got the courage up to tell my mum um, what was going on because he came over to the house, you know, and he, you know, it, you know, sort of like he'd come over for a bit, not often, but he'd come over for a little bit. And one night we was all going to bed and he, um, he came up to the, to the bedroom and that. And I was in bed, and he put his hands underneath the um, underneath the covers and started touching me, you know, in your it, own house. Yeah, th- through through my pants, you know, because obviously I had pants on. Um, and so he started touching me up through through the underneath the um, underneath the duvet and and stuff. And I, what are you doing? So get off, you know. And he was sort of, yeah, just sort of, you know quickly and, and sort of like, and that was it for me because that was the second time. If you get what I mean, that was the, that, second, that, that was the time. second time. Okay. Even though it was very quick and very brief, it was still. Hang on, tell you when it's going to happen again, and now you're actually literally, you've gone out of your way to so you know what you're doing, sort of thing. Even as a kid, I kind of realised that to some extent, but I didn't want to believe it. You know, you wanted to believe that, and it's like having Stockholm syndrome, I guess. I started feeling sorry for this person. We know about Stockholm Syndrome, don't we? Um, um, yeah. But you decided to tell your mum. Yeah, so I, I got the courage up to tell my mum. And I remember me and her being in, in her bed, actually. And I was like, um, mum, I've got something to tell you. And I was like, because me and her boyfriend didn't get on, I was like, can you not, you know, this is between me and you. I don't want you to, to say anything to him or, or anybody else. And she was like, okay, you know, sort of thing, what's up? So I explained to her that, you know, he'd been doing this this thing, like touching me and stuff, and I don't like it. And she was like, right, okay. And the next morning when I got up and went downstairs, the, uh, the boyfriend had a right go at me. And my mum had obviously told him 
what had happened. And for... Sorry, that, what did he say to you? Oh, um, his attitude was, oh, you shouldn't have been hanging about this person. Um, you know, I knew something weren't right. Blah, blah, blah. It was very much like, um, sort of almost like you're to blame, um, if you like, you know. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa where's, you know, because I hadn't expected that. You know, I'd only told, told my mum, you know. And like, obviously, you know, I, I trusted, obviously, the, the person we're chatting about, you know, I actually sort of trusted him. And obviously, he broke my trust by doing what he'd done. And then to tell my mum and for my mum to break that trust, um, it's made me really, it's made it really hard to trust anyone. And I don't blame my mum at all um, for that whatsoever. Um, but it's just to have that um, that trust. Um, to be betrayed by those sort of people, it's very damaging. Yes. I'm just trying to get my head around this. This is mind-blowing. Mm. So you actually try and stop this now by telling your mum, and she promised you that she wasn't going to tell anyone else. Is that what happened? Yeah. But she... Told her partner. Immediately told her new boyfriend. Yeah. And then he, the next day you wake up and he blames you. Yeah. Well, so there's no consequences for the predator no one's confronted the predator over this they're, they're confronting no, you no not at the time no so was, he was, had was, no was, idea <gasps> you told your mum no not at the time but that day when he came over I spoke to him outside the house and I said to him I said I've told mum what's been going on and he was like what, what do you mean and I was like you know like the things like you know like you've been doing and that you know what did you do that for? You shouldn't have done that. And he's like, why are you making such a big deal out of it? And I was like, but, you know, you said it would stop and, and it hasn't. And so I felt like, you know, I had to, and he was like, oh, well, you know, you need to like, um, sort of like smooth it over sort of thing, you know. So I didn't really know what to do because I was, I with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I felt so alone because now, you know, the person that I trusted, i.e. my mum, I didn't feel like I could go to her. So there really was no one else to go to because the person I probably would have went to obviously was the abuser um, at the time. So it was like, um, I don't know, I was made to feel like I was in the wrong, you know, and almost like made to feel like you shouldn't um I shouldn't I shouldn't have said anything to anybody, do you know? And it was like from from his point of view, because obviously now I realise he was worried, you know, because obviously he knows that he's been messing around with an underage child, because that's what it was. So, um you know, he he was quite worried, you know, and quite rightly so. And um so I kind of like 
the police were called. And by this time, I'd moved into my dad's over in East London. And the police came over. And um, I had to... I had to say like nothing had happened because I felt that's the only choice I had. Have he talked you into saying that? Yeah. Not talked me, talked me into it, but it was implied. Do you know what I mean? It was like, like you, like I said, like, you know, why are you making a fuss out of this? Why are you making a big deal out of this? You know, you're making a big deal out of nothing, you know? So I was like, well, if I'm making a big deal out of nothing, then, these other people are probably going to see that the same, you know, whether it be the police or, or somebody else that you spoke to. You so you know. started to doubt yourself. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a kid that had no confidence or, or you know, didn't really know, like, what the hell was going on and was trying to deal with, like, you know, trying to be an adult, really, to some extent, because I was all, you know, you know, trying to keep my family together, my mum and dad, you know, my, my brother and sister, and if I try and sort of keep them together, you know, and stop them, not the kids, but, you know, mum and dad arguing and stuff. So I had all that, as well as dealing with the kids and the bullying and and just everything. And it just, it was relentless, you know. And then, obviously, the last thing would have been, you know, somebody that I trusted doing what they'd done. Of course. Um. Yeah. So did the police drop the case at that point? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the police came around and, yeah, they, they kind of, they, there was no there was no further action or anything like that. And that did, did that give the perpetrator more confidence then? I think so, yeah, because mm. there was other incidences that afterwards, um, you know, that that sort of where it got. After this incident with the police, did he go quiet for a little bit before the next one? What would you say the period was? wasn't that long it probably would have been about a few months and he moved to he moved in into sort of like centre of London and um, I'd go obviously to London I'd go in to see him and he'd take me out so or take you know we'd go out and so on and so forth you know because again I was still in that that frame of mind of you know that Stockholm Syndrome thing you know I mean looking back at it now if I look back now, I'm like looking at that kid and going, you're crazy. Run. Do you know what I mean? Run, yeah. Get out as quick as you can. Go and tell someone or or, or do something about it, you know. But um, so, you know, like people ask why people put up with that abuse or, or any, you know, that sort of thing. And, and to some extent, it's not like they want to. It's It almost becomes like second nature, if that makes any sense to you guys. So... You kind of, you just kind of end up taking it for something like normal, like making a cup of tea or, you know, making a cup of coffee or something, which is really scary when you look at it. Yeah. You know, um, for what it really is. And I remember being in his room and he'd bought a, um, a washing up bowl, plastic washing up bowl, full of water and, he threw it all over me. And the reason he'd done that was to get me undressed. And then he got me undressed and started touching me up and trying to force me to, and forcing me to touch him. Mm. Um, and I was in disbelief because I couldn't understand why you would just go and get 
you know, a... I want to say bucket, but it wasn't, you know, it's just like, you know, um, what's the word? Like a, bowl, a bowl of water and yeah. throw it over somebody. You literally just walk up and just go like that and sort of like laugh sort of thing. And then it's like, oh, we need to get you out of these wet clothes. Mm-hmm. And then it's like he starts getting undressed and it's like, uh, you know, uh, putting your hands to touch them and so on and so forth and them touching you. And again, like, I'm going, is this really happening? What do I do? There's no one around. Can't talk to no one. You know, you didn't have mobile phones back then either. So, again, I just, you know, um, put up with it, if you like, or let, or let it happen. Um, and it was pure for, for his gratification, you know. I mean, there was no... Um, there was no sensitivity to, to the person, obviously, that he was abusing. Can I ask you a sensitive question, yeah. please? Did you get aroused at this point? Yeah, but not in the sense of I found it um, eternal or anything like that. It was more scared, if that makes any sense. You know, your body reacts and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, when someone touches you, your body like reacts and stuff. And I'd never actually, you know, had any kind of physical... Um, interaction like that with anyone before you it's know. like a body function just getting triggered yeah get by a manipulator yeah and um so and that's uh, yeah um so that always all right we just took a brief break from the story Imagine many of the viewers now are feeling as we are feeling. I just expressed myself. I'm going to have to take that out as um, I feel about the person that's responsible in this situation. And, you know, Jamie's such a brave soul. He's come here because he wants other people who are going through things to be inspired by his story. And Yeah, if you can reach out to one child out there who's going through similar or something close to this... That's what I mean, what advice would you give to them, someone who... That's what's really close to my heart, if I can help just one person. Um, yeah. And just so that they know that they're not on their own. And there is people out there that will listen and will help them. And it is really hard, especially if you're in a situation where you can't get away from the abuser. Say it's a family member or something along that lines. Um, yeah, it's really difficult. But there is helplines out there. There is people that you can turn to and talk to. Uh, if you're a child, teachers, um, if you don't feel that you can talk to your parents, um, if you can go to like an adult that you feel comfortable with and, you know, you think that you can trust them, especially like, you know, not necessarily the police, but, you know, like I said, like teachers or somebody that you, you feel comfortable that you can relate to and you can trust, do it. And, and it's not your fault. And these people are there to help you. They can't help you unless you you ask for the help. And it's so hard being in a situation because a lot of people are ashamed. And they are made to feel like myself. We was all made to feel like it was it was our fault, you know. Um, he used to say to me, I'm doing this because I love you, which was one of uh, one of his uh, favourite um, favorite sayings, you know. So you can see how that would, um, you know, if somebody says that to a child that they're abusing, how that can, you know... 
it's so manipulative and so so evil. Disgusting. Fucked up. Yeah, it's it's really really the most horrific thing that you can do to a child. So you're very good at telling your story, Jamie. And if you need another break, just you know, just let us know. Okay. Um, we left off then, whereby the police case had been dropped. He's continuing to manipulate you. He's, he's thrown water on you, and and yeah, again, that should have been. I don't know. That should have been like warning signs to get out, I guess. But you keep believing that he's. You know, it was always. I'm sorry. It's never going to happen again. So you believe these people. You want to believe these people are going to change, or, or it was a mistake. You know, you're just a child. Yeah, and being a child, you look. You know, you keep wanting to believe in people's good nature especially adults because you look up to these adults you know they're supposed to look after you and love you and care for you and and you know keep you safe if you like you know and teach you right from wrong and you know he was doing everything that was totally the opposite you know um and had no sort of um he had no conscience about it at all you know do you think he was getting more confident in his actions because he got away with it and I do believe so, yeah. He realised it fully, like, brainwashed you. Yeah, I do believe so. So what was the next incident after that? The next incident would have been uh, in North London. He got a place in North London. And again, you know, it was the same sort of the same sort of um, situation. I'd go up and see him and so forth, take us all out. And, you know, obviously, you know, very, very powerly with my dad now, obviously, and stuff. Um you know, so he's good friends with my dad, which, you know, made it a lot harder because, you know, I felt really bad for my dad that, you know, he, the, you know, the, his friend, if you like, even though, you know, like I introduced, but, you know, his friend, because obviously, you know, they've become good friends because he'd wormed his way in. Um, so your mum hadn't told your dad at this point? No, no, I, I'd, I'd spoken to my dad about it because that's where the police came round and my dad was like, really sort of thing you know and again because i was so sort of scared and worried about everything and how it's all going to go and and my dad i like you know when the police come around i kind of had to say because i felt compelled or, or compelled or whatever it is to say that nothing happened do you know so that cleared yeah. his name yeah if you in like, your dad's eyes yeah to some yeah Still your dad being friends with him um you know, I think that was that was my fault, really, because I should have no. back then probably should have, um, you know, been more open about it or, or been more straight about it. Or, yeah, or whatever you were so you young, you couldn't possibly no, have figured and I, that couldn't, out. I couldn't even comprehend what was what's happening to me back You've then. Been you groomed, know? yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah, I you know I just couldn't comprehend the whole thing, you know, because it was so like unnatural you know to everything that i was brought up to believe in you know like you know adults look after each other you know adults look after the children you know um and that's what they're there for you know to make sure that kids don't do things wrong or don't you know have accidents or you know tell kids you know get out the road or whatever it may you understand what i mean so the the authoritative figure um so that was how i was all you know so i kind of looked up to him you know and he and and even though he was doing this thing, I kept forgiving, if you like, you know, because he was saying, you know, it won't happen again, it won't happen again. And so, 
the incident in Kilburn, which was the, one of the more, well, which was which was one of the major things, was was um, I was round his one evening, and I can't remember how he managed to get me undressed. He got me undressed, and I remember him pushing me onto the bed, and literally he tried to rape me. He tried to uh, penetrate me or, or whatever you want to call it. And I went straight into shock. And I remember sitting on the bed and there was a TV program on and, and my head was just looking at, or, or, or my mind was just focused on this this TV show even though I wasn't watching it. Um, so it was almost like in the background. You know when you see um, TV shows and somebody's had a... You know, like some, there's a death on, on, a, on a soap and everything's playing in the background just subtly, but you can still notice it and the person's not there. That's quite common. So that was abuse. kind of what it was. Mm. So to me, it was like disassociation. Mm. So in the meantime, he's trying to get my attention and, you know, like, you okay? And I'm sorry and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I'm just, I can see him, I can hear him, I can hear the TV, but I can't respond. I can't. I don't know what to say. That was that was it. T- too far. Frozen. Yeah, yeah, literally. And um, he wanted me to get into the bed, and I was like, no. And he was like, right, well then you can get your stuff and you can go. And this is probably about eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night. So trying to get a bus back from North London to East London, being how old was I? Probably. 14, 15 maybe, um, was kind of impossible, you know, but I was like, fine. So I got the stuff and, and walked out, got to the bus stop and he come running down, you know, and go, oh no, come back, come back and everything else. Because obviously I think maybe that's really when it clicked that, um, you know, that, that, that there was something majorly you know, it it really it gone too far. Like you know, going into detail, how did he not penetrate you? Literally, as he tried to, it literally as you, you can imagine the pain, and like, so I'm just like that. You know, literally, because it was just like there was no, mm. it was just there was no, um, there was no gentleness about it. You know that if you understand what I mean. Jesus Christ! You know, so it it, it was just. A straight ahead thing. No lubricant. No, none of that. No, no. So you can imagine. Um, mm. And obviously, uh, you know, your body reacts. So, it, it, well, obviously, you tense up and that. So, you know, as that's, you know, um, happening, and your body's obviously not um, responding to that, you know. So, like, as that's, you know, you, as you're trying to insert something, it's, you know, it's going to hurt, um, which is what it did, you know. To the point of like, you know, ju- jumping up and, it's, you know, uh, and then it, that was when it was like, oh my God, you know, for him, you know, oh, gone too far now sort of thing, you know. Here's a message from our sponsor. Do you find yourself constantly signing up for things with subscriptions that are impossible to cancel? Never pay for an unwanted subscription again at Truebill. 
Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's something that drives me mad. Absolutely mental. Of course, it's a business scam out to get you. <laughs> Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take care of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions. That you don't need, want or simply forget about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Which is approximately 500 quid. (laughs) (laughs) Because these damn companies make it hard to cancel your subscriptions, Truebill makes it incredibly easy to cancel. Just link your accounts and Truebill will make it easy to cancel your subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there for when you want to cancel any unwanted subscriptions. So you don't have to. Stay on top of your spending with Truebill. Get an effortless breakdown of your finances to see where your money is going and how to improve. Truebill will notify you of important events that need your attention so you're never caught off guard again. Like Becca L, who says, hands down, the best financial app I discovered. In my first week, I opened up $187 in unused recurring subscriptions. I'm obsessed. I never want to manage finances without Truebill again. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start cancelling today at truebill.com forward slash Sean. S-H-A-U-N. So go right now to truebill.com forward slash Sean. It could save you thousands per year. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. It's very important for the podcast production. And the links, as usual, are in the description box below this video. And um, I mean, there was another incident when he came over to stay at my dad's once. And he came, I woke up, and this was in the middle of the night, and to, to see him over my bed masturbating over over me. Mm. And I sort of woke up and pretending I was asleep because I noticed it. And that's when he sort of like put himself away and sort of went. And then he came back again and started again. And I sort God. of woke up and I thought, what's going on? You know, and then he sort of, and then, you know. So, yeah, it was very, very... Um, fucking brave it's very predatory he was you know you don't realize it at the time but yeah so after that night when he came and got you got you back did you go back to the flat i did stay there that night under duress obviously (laughs) and i stayed on the floor um and then sort of by that time i was saying i was sort of making an issue when he came over to to stay at mine that there was no way you know because we had like um, a spare bedroom but it was a double bedroom so like one of the other beds was in there so like even my dad would stay in there because we were staying at his mum's at the time um, and I was just like there's no way I'm sharing a sharing a room with this person and like my dad was like really sort of like, what's the big deal and that sort of thing and I was just like I need my own space I need my own sleep but I didn't because again I was still didn't know how to tell him to be honest with you you know um, and obviously, when I did tell him and stuff, like you know, nothing um, got done. 
No, no, he was heartbroken, my dad, because he's like, why didn't you tell me before? And everything. Oh, you mean when you tell him again? Yeah, like, yeah finally. you know, and actually, like, say, look, this really did happen because the reason it all came about, I was staying in it with my uncle because uh, I'd moved away out of London. And um, How old are you at this point of the story? I am now about 20. Okay. Would say. So we're, we're- maybe a little bit older, maybe, I, know, I think about 23, actually, if I'm honest. So it had been quite a few few years but um, it, it, it stopped before this had it or was it yeah i kind of I, I kind of stopped like i kind of should, uh, after that i kind of like should, should we go back to f- go how it stopped how it stopped i so yeah. it, kept, it kept going it sounds like he's progressively trying to get worse and do nastier things yeah did he in the end manage to penetrate no, you no, no. That, after that time okay. thank god after that time it I, I kind of like managed to sort of like keep my distance if that makes any sense, you know. By then it was case of, well, I mean, I can't believe, I still can't believe that person actually done that. Do you know what I mean? No. You know, even now, just, I can see myself in that room. I could just picture it all now, you know, and the disbelief of what that person had just done just then sort of thing. I think that compounded everything that he'd done already, you know, the, the fact that I was just like, um, you know, letting it go, if you like, or forgiving it or, you know, under the pretense it would never happen again. And I think this last thing was like the the precursor to, to sort of go, hang on a minute, this this is not going to stop and this person knows what they're doing and this is deliberate. How old were you at that point? This would have been probably about... 15-ish. So it's been going on for about three years yeah, now. Yeah, okay. something like that. And like I said, how it came, came the actual, it came about me sort of um, confirming, if you like, that it did happen, was um, my sister had, um, she'd already had, a, had, had one child and she'd had another child, little baby, and she'd had to go away for the evening and she was going to leave the baby with... <gasps> this guy oh my God. and obviously my uncle knew what was going on and he said to my sister you can't do that and my sister was like why blah 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 so I think he told her and she phoned me up she said I need to ask you a question I said okay and she said um, can I leave um, my child um, with this person and I had to say no mm-hmm. and I had to say you can't because I don't think the child be safe, and that was a big thing for me to to do because it was out of the blue as well. You know, there was no preparation. It was like you know, it was just a phone call out of the blue, and you know, so it's forced it to the surface now, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, this that phone call would have been when I was about twenty three, when I was in Dorset, um, and I've carried that ever since. You know, up until sort of net, well, even till this day, you know. So, and just try to deal with it the best way I can, I guess. We'll go back to how it stopped with him. What stopped it? Yeah, me keeping my distance. So me not me not. When you were fifteen, yeah, it's fifteen, sixteen. So it would have been like, um, I just yeah, just started like you know, going out on my own, not hanging out with him. Um, Did he try and get? Get you back? Mm. Not really, but I had the inclination that 
he sort of got his eyes set on a couple of others, you know. What gave you that clue? Because there was, where we was living, there was a family upstairs and there was three lads. And one of the lads was like a little bit, I want to say slow, but, you know, he had learning difficulties and stuff. And he was, this lad would have been about 11, 12. And it just seemed that he kind of lost interest in me. And he was very interested. a bit old. Yeah, he was very interested in this, this young lad. And I remember saying to him, I was like, what's, why are you like spending so much time with him? And I said, are you, is it because you can't get what you want out of me? Sort of thing, you know, because I just had this really underlying, just weird feeling that I could see him acting like he was act, acted with me to begin with. Do you get what I mean? And I really didn't want anybody else going through it, you know. Um, so that sort of like, and he sort of like, after that came out with my sister, you know, like when I, um, you know, told my sister and stuff, and obviously my dad knew then and the rest of the family, he kind of like sort of disappeared very, very quickly and sort of nobody sort of like could find out where he was to and, and whatever, you know. Oh. So I really don't know what actually happened to him, you know. I mean, I don't believe I don't believe he's alive now. To be honest with you, if you look at the timeline, good. Um, Going back to when you were fifteen, sixteen, then you said you just started hanging out on your own, and this is this has stopped now because you're not hanging out with him anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm. When people go through traumatic things, like you know, you, you said you you disassociated and stuff like that. Are you still in shock at this point, or are you, is your brain now starting to like? understand more because when you were 12 you were a kid and you didn't understand anything but now as you've matured into your later teens yeah you're starting to realize yeah, it, to realize that it wasn't right what's you know? going on in your head then as you're like 15 um, 16 and it's stopped you, you total confusion confusion to be with you total confusion um did you rebel at all yeah i, I suppose well i say rebel not really it was more i kept it all more in so i think the damage was more done like to myself on the inside if you like um did you turn to drugs alcohol brushings with the law yeah yeah um yeah I've, I've, I've used drugs before um not so much alcohol um but i did find the you know the drug things was like originally and it was really more sort of like you know i'd go out on the weekends and party with other people and stuff but i did find that to some extent, um, I could have started using it quite, he- you know, using quite heavily, you know, maybe heavier drugs um, to because they did they did work. You know, you didn't it did stop you thinking about things to some extent, um, and so there was a sort of time where, for maybe about a month, I was like using, you know, taking ecstasy and and stuff, even like during the day you know, for maybe like a month or so, just to block things out. Self-medication. Yeah. Um, but that's not an answer at all. And unfortunately, all that does is suppress the real problem. And I think realising that and realising that I had to deal and face, you know, and come to terms with what actually happened, I realised that it actually isn't my fault. How long did that take to realise that? 
oh my goodness, only up to probably about a year and a half ago. So you've been carrying that weight around. And even then, it's still there. Wow. And were you in trouble with the law at this point? Not really, no. Have you been arrested? Only for like minor um, things where I was, it was just like, more mistaken identity and things like that, you know. What? Yeah. Um, apparently, I look like um, criminals, you know. I'll, I'll get that. <laughs> you look like a proper proper criminal, you know. You look well dodgy, you do. So, um, so no, not not so much like, you know, I didn't go out, like, robbing people or, you know, um, getting into any kind of, like, serious crime as such. Um, I tried to, like, use my my energies or, or you know to focus on other stuff like the music and stuff that you know that was so i I think if i didn't have have the music thing you know the, or, or the the artwork i think then i definitely would have went down the wrong road 100 percent. Mm. So, so what did you do when you finished school uh went straight into work as what um what was I, doing? I was working for a waste company actually to begin with and who were you living with um back then i was living with my dad and then i Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Moved to Dorset, which is a beautiful place, um, and lived with my uncle for 10 years. For 10 years? Yeah. Would you say your relationship with your father was damaged because of this? Um, I would say no, because he didn't really know till sort of a lot later and I don't blame either him or my mum at all because it was specifically this person. This person was looking for, for somebody and if it wasn't me, it probably would have been another family and another child. It reminds me of that Netflix show I did in Plain Sight where oh, he nice. like gets in the good graces of the parents to get that, to get the daughter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what totally, it is. They're totally manipulated by him. Yeah. And it's so callously but cleverly done. You know, they're, they're experts at what they do, you know. Mm. And they're so calculating. Were you able to have a normal relationship with somebody after going through that or was it always triggering? It's been really hard to, yeah, to, to not to maintain a relationship but just to trust anybody to have a relationship as such. And the relationships I have had have... Uh, I've had, you know, they broke my trust as, as such. So, so if we go back, so, yeah. go back to like your first girlfriend. Then, how how old are you, and what happened there? Um, well, my first girlfriend, she was she was she was great. She was a really nice girl. She had cystic fibrosis. So yeah, um, but yeah, she was a really nice girl, and that ended, um, like you know, amicably. You know, we both like it had gone as far as it could go. Um, Sorry, Karen. My next relationship... Was this all in your 20s? Or? That would have been... Yeah, my early 20s would have been my first... Like, I mean, what was your sexual relationships like uh, after this? Well, 
like your f- it's kind of hard because like it does damage that you know it really does damage um your ability to to enjoy you know sex with somebody and you know feel 100% comfortable and yeah that's really so it's really um I mean it affects people in different ways a lot of people some people like you know um end up you know, having lots of partners and, you know, going around, you know, having lots of one-night stands and having lots of sex and so on and so forth, where for me it was kind of like the other way, where I kind of like didn't really want to let anybody close to me sort of thing. Um, my second girlfriend, we had a an amazing um, sex life. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, is that because you was healing in your journey? Um, I'm not sure because I still felt that anxiousness, that you know, that that abuse was still there, you know. But she was probably the most one of the most comfortable people that I'd been with. Did, did you tell your girlfriends what you'd been through? Or you, were you? I did actually. Yeah, we did speak about it, and they were understanding. Yeah, she was actually. Yes, yeah. but unfortunately. Um, yeah, unfortunately, um, she broke my trust. Yeah, so that didn't that didn't end very well. The second one. Yeah. yeah. What happened? Um, she cheated on me with somebody, and unfortunately, that person um, was into drugs and stuff, and um, got her in, uh, involved in drugs and that. How did you find that out that she was cheating? Um, she came and told me. Mm. Oh, straight up. Well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't actually straight up. It was after like two weeks of being really horrible and nasty, and me not understanding what was going on. Because you said she was on drugs. Was it heroin? It was. This was heroin. Yeah. Mm. Um, now she wasn't on drugs at the time that me and her were together. This was after she'd got with the other guy, um, and I got her off the drugs because they split up, and so I, I went. F- I, I, I tried to get her off the heroin, which. For somebody that ain't got a clue what they're doing, and she went cold turkey. Um, she she couldn't do it. She kept you know she was going she was going back and forth between me and this guy, and it was partly to do with the drugs, obviously. Um, but yeah, it that didn't work out, and the trust issues there again were like. That put me off of having a relationship for 15 years, actually, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how do you even begin to get someone off heroin? Well, I don't really know because, I mean, the only thing that I could be is as supportive um, emotionally, you know, and it was really hard because obviously I had feelings for this person still, even though, you know, I was in love with this person. Um, And you had to kind of put that aside, you know, and, and try and, be strong for that person, you know, even though that you're really angry because... How like, old was she at the time? Um, she was... She would have been, I think, in her 20s. 20, piece, 21. So this piece of shit got a strong out on heroin. Yeah. Knowing how addictive it is, mm. that's his hook, I, is it? I don't think, no, I think, I think they both had an issue with it, to be honest with you. Um, I, I don't think it was... 
I don't think he deliberately got her on onto the heroin. They just facilitated there each was, other's habits. Yeah, there was, I think there was an issue, and I think like that was what kind of led to um, him offering it to her. Um, sort of try this, you know, this will make you feel better, sort of thing. <sighs> um, and that's kind of what led on to that. One of my exes gave me heroin once. Really? Tricked me, put it in a roll-up. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's shocking. Mm. That is absolutely disgraceful. Yeah. I haven't tried it since, by the way. So after that relationship then, you said you went into a period of not trusting people. Yeah, yeah. So if someone came into your life, you would just... Keep them at arm's length. Yeah. Pretty wow. much. And that was throughout your 30s, was it? Yeah, yeah. Because how old are you just it? I'm 45. 45? Yeah. So all of your 30s, you were alone? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what was you working as? Was, you ch- was your career the same or were you changing um, careers? No, I was working. Um, I've done warehouse work. I was working in warehouse roughly about then. Um, also, I've, uh, I did grounds maintenance. So I was uh, running the parks in the, in the local area that I was in, which was good fun. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, constantly working and just keeping yourself um, busy, if you like, you know. What were your friends like? In my thirties, I've got some 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 good friends. Yeah, I, you know, there's been some really good people that have actually um, been there for me. Was still out in Dorset, was it? Pardon? We still out in Dorset? In no, 30s. this was coming back here actually, coming back to um, where I'm where I am at the moment, and um, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> it really has, <sighs> as you can probably imagine. Have you ever had therapy to help you with any of this? Well. When I went to Dorset and that, I did actually try and attempt seeing a counsellor. And when I got into the room, the first thing the lady said was, um, it's your fault that other people are being abused because you didn't tell the police that first time. What? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm... I'm going to leave now. What type <laughs> of therapist is that? Honestly, um, that just, I was in just total disbelief. Shock, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not exactly going to tell you anything, then am I? You know, so that was mm-hmm. that. And that, that, that just gave me um, such a, a bad um, impression of counsellors, which I'll be honest with you, a lot of the counsellors are amazing. You know, unfortunately, I, I just got a bad one. Mm. So, you know, my hat's off to all the counsellors out there because you're doing an amazing job. Does that mean you did eventually get a good one? No, no. In the end, I've just dealt I've just dealt with it myself and just, you know, tried to, um, you know, keep going, if you like, um, and, and try and think positive, you know. You are such a positive um, man. No. Was there a period of like flashbacks, PTSD, dreams, oh, yeah. nightmares? Yeah, yeah, dreams. Dreams were one of the big, big things. Even like not so long ago, I, you know, having dreams of him abusing me. You know, literally, and you'd wake up and I'd be like, "Oh my god!" You know, um, and again, like you say, the PTSD. You know, do get flashbacks, um, and like, not yeah, like memory. You know, like stuff just coming out of the blue. Yeah. What would happen if you were walking down the street and you saw him Mm. in the present day? 
I've asked myself that question so many times. <sighs> and the answer that I can honestly give you is I would like him, for example, to be sat in his chair and I would like to ask him why he done what he done. I would really like to know, honestly, why you done what you done. And that would be my only question. Mm-hmm. Because I could not imagine doing that to any child or anybody, let alone any child. And I just wonder what what goes through people's heads like that, to be honest with you, because yeah, it's just I have lost for words in that sort of, you know, there's no words to describe, you know anything like that, you know. It's absolutely disgusting. I mean some victims of abuse get how do I put this aroused by their perpetrators later in life would you say that was the case for you I know that's a difficult question but no 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 Mm. maybe that's because obviously I was always attracted to women and because it was a male that that actually you know was the perpetrator um or yeah, I don't. That's, I never actually thought that until you you'd asked that. Actually, that is to an be honest with question. you, um, it is an interesting question. I'm trying to digest it still, I think that you get situations where some people are abused and they're, and they're so broken, the cycle repeats throughout their life somehow. Yeah, yeah. I think regarding the, the arousal, I think it was more towards the end. It was like, well at least somebody's paying some attention to you, you know, even though you didn't want it and you didn't like it. Um, and that would make you feel guilty then, wouldn't you think? Oh, that? of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, the guilt was there anyway by the fact that it was a male and, you know, it should never have happened anyway. It was it was wrong anyway. And that, that was always sort of like prevalent in the back of my mind as a kid because obviously we was brought up, you know, to, you know, I was always brought up to, you know, think like, you know, going to have a family, going to get married, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So anything like that wasn't sort of like um, on my mind, if you like, you know. How old were you when you had sex education in school? That would have been probably about 14, I think, give or take. And the, the sex education was absolutely terrible. Was it putting a condom on a banana? Yeah, along that sort of lines, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um... But did that, because of the abuse, then when you had sex education, did that do anything to you mentally, trigger anything? No, but then probably that was because, like, it was still sort of going on around that sort of time. So it was sort of like, it was there anyway, so I don't think. I think maybe if it if the sex education had happened, say later after the abuse or something, then I think maybe that could have triggered something. But I think because it was all happening sort of around the same time, I don't think it did trigger anything at all. Because no. you're in the disassociation yeah. phase. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever been married? No. 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 Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Good grief, Jamie. Honestly. Yeah. Um, your spirit is just, you, it shines in your eyes and your smile, this amazing spirit. And I think the people watching this will probably see in the comments are going to acknowledge 
what a beautiful soul you've got. Mm. Um, is there anything we could do to support you? Is there anything you, you, you know, what, what do you want from life now? What kind of yeah, people, the viewers, can the viewers help you <laughs> in any way? What is it? What, what? Um, <laughs> he's taking a back. Sorry, yeah. I'm taking back by that. Um, <laughs> oh goodness, I don't know at the moment. Can we have a break, please? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we could, we could finish it here if you want. Do you want to, do you want to finish it here? Maybe talk about what he's up to at this present moment and a bit more lighter okay, stuff. Okay, okay. Right, so Jamie's had another break. To balance out the darkness, we're going to finish on a musical note. Hit it! <laughs> Hit it! Thank you to Jamie on the guitar and James on the keyboard today. This is the first ever on the podcast. Very, spo- very spontaneous. Jamie, you took us on a journey today. Your smile, man, it's the best. And for the people who've been on this journey with you, I'm sure some of these viewers might want to support you. So can can people like follow you on socials or reach, reach out to you on um, social media platforms or anything like that? I don't actually normally do like social media or anything like that, but what I'm hopefully going to plan to do now is um, I'm going to try and arrange an, an email address so that if anybody does want to talk to me or anybody needs any advice or just generally would love, like, you know, to share their story or just need somebody to talk to, um, you'll be able to email me. So, And what about people who are perhaps watching this video and maybe going through the things you went through mm. and, and they're holding it in and, and you know... It's the most dangerous thing you can do. It really is. It's, it's the most damaging thing you can do. And nobody should have to do that. No, sh- nobody should feel that, that, you know, that they've got nobody to talk to or nobody to um, confide in. So anybody listening out there, you know, you're not alone. And um, I do urge anybody that needs help or is in the same or a similar situation to myself, you know, um, to, to get the help that you need, definitely speak to somebody talk to people and don't keep it all inside so jamie's email address will be in the description box below this video so if you want to reach out please reach out and we give you all our love and support and some riders on the storm (laughs) indeed yeah (laughs) riders on the storm (laughs) 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 Try riders. Yeah. We're gonna sound absolutely awful. Yeah, we just do that, we just do that, meow, 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 and then it's, hang on, sorry, and then it's... Riders on the storm. Riders on the storm. We'll get a bit deeper like you. 
Into this house we're born. <laughs> Into this world we're from. Like a dog without a bone. Riders on the stone. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, we need to stick to podcasts. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> There's a killer on the road. <laughs> His brain is squirming like a toad. Take a long holiday. And let your children play. If you give this man a ride. Sweet family will die. Killer on the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, you gotta love your man. Girl, you gotta love your man. <laughs> Take him by the hand. Make him understand. The world on you depends. <laughs> Our life will never end. Gotta love your man. Yeah. Thanks for watching. We will stick to podcasting in the future. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Oh, well done, Jamie. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, yeah, I can't go. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Like, such an experience. This podcast is sponsored by Gadfly Press. We are proud to announce the publication of Britain's number one art forger, Max Brandert, The Life of a Cheeky Faker. And from the back cover blurb, Max the Forger is an artist and gentleman whose colourful lifestyle has spanned over 70 years. He has lived under the strict regime of Bernardo's children's homes, been an elephant handler in the circus, lived rough, busked his way from Brighton to Bombay, sold his fakes up and down the country, dined with dukes, socialised with celebrities, associated with gangsters, served time in prison, and donated tens of thousands to charity. And through it all, he has never stopped smiling and loving life and missing his mum. Quote from the book. Mr. Brandert, I do not see you as a malicious criminal, sighed the judge. But why, oh why, do you continue to use your God-given talent in this way? I just can't help myself, Your Honour. It's like an addiction, I grinned. Available worldwide on Amazon. Link in the description box below this video. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. Here at Boomer and Jen, we offer a wide range of organic or recycled clothing. We all know our planet is important. We only have this one. So it's vital that we all work together to slow down and reverse the changes to the environment. Whilst we all know that big industry are having a significant effect on pollution, here at Boomer and Gen, we believe that if we all make small changes, we can do our part. Fast fashion causes detrimental effects to the planet. Not only is nearly 20% of global wastewater produced by the fast fashion industry, but there is a considerable amount of fast fashion ending up in landfill. So let's move away from fast fashion items that are only worn once or twice and start wearing extremely comfortable, durable and environmentally friendly clothing and ethical jewellery. Boomer and Jen was founded in a quiet town in Devon in 2018. It has now gone from strength to strength as the world is becoming more aware of the current climate situation, helping our customers to buy sustainable, quality clothing. 
All of our products are fair trade and registered with the Global Organic Textiles Standard Association. Check us out on organiccottonclothing.co.uk. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.